0: It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in. Stinkin' Truth Podcast alongside Mike Evans, Scott DeHuff. I am Mark Schlereth. Thank you so much for listening to the program. We really appreciate you. Also appreciate our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. Sweetsweat.com is where you can go. All the workout gear, all the bands. Like right now, coronavirus is going on, right? And where the gym is shut down, a lot of things have shut down. I've got the Sweet Sweat workout bands. Which are awesome. I mean, you can get a full body workout in. They've got all the attachments so you can hook them to the door frames and everything else, and uh, you can get your swole on. And if you look at me right now, I am swollen. Not so much from working out, more from eating, but um, eventually I'm going to be in shape. I had a coach once that used to tell me all the time, he go, Don't be in a hurry to get where you're eventually going to be. Someday I'm going to be in shape. Mike, I'm not rushing right into shape, right? I'm That's taking obvious. Taking my time. That's I'm obvious. Taking my time. But you know who's going to help me? the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. So check them out, sweetsweat.com, for more information. Mike, how are you, buddy? Tom Brady is the oh quarterback gosh. of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Man, just saying it sounds strange. What do you think it's going to look like? He's going to look glorious like he always <laughs> looks. I mean, come on. The guy is beautiful. I, Pewter suits you. Right. I have been on the Tampa Bay. This is what I'm concerned about. I have been on the Tampa Bay beat for a while, right? I'm buddies with uh, Bruce Arians. Like I, re- Bruce and I are pretty tight. Uh, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm I'm tight with Jason Light. As a matter of fact, I texted with him this morning with Jason Light, who is their GM. So like I'm I'm like tight with. It. I'm, I'm probably I'm I'm feeling like the Tampa games are going to Joe Buck and Troy uh, Aikman. Like you got Brady, all of a sudden you become you become. Like, the the destination spot. As a matter of fact, it happened here in Denver in 2012. You remember it well. You were doing local radio here in Denver. I was working at ESPN. And when they signed Peyton Manning, it was just like, like the heavens opened up, mm-hmm. right? It was just like, oh, and a light shined down from above. And every free agent and their brother's uncle called up and said, can I come to Denver? I want to play, and I'll take less money. And right now, a report from Adam Schefter has has been out there on the internet saying, "Team people are calling, free agents are calling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, begging to come play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because of the Brady connection." Like this is like we've seen it before. He called it Adam Schefter called it the LeBron effect. I'm calling it the Peyton Manning effect. I think it goes even beyond what Peyton did, and and believe me, I was I was here when when Peyton came aboard. But understand the differences. Peyton hadn't played the year before. Mm -hmm. Peyton had gone through a number of surgeries. There were all kinds of questions about whether or not he physically could even play. Right. But with Brady, you're talking about a guy who just played last year. He led his team to 12 wins. He was back in the playoffs. He's only a year removed from winning the Super Bowl. From going to what? Three straight Super Bowls. So... The jarring nature of Brady going from New England to Tampa, I think, even dwarfs Manning going from Indy to Denver. You are you are missing one key factor in the Manning to Denver situation. What's that? We just came off a couple of years of watching Tebow play, <laughs> right? And yes, the Tebowites. Oh no, it was one year. Oh, Trust one me, year. yeah, one very oh, yeah. Unique, but long year. Yeah, in which you got a tattoo on your shoulder. That's right. And, um, yeah, so we we ended up watching that thing unfold, and the football people were ready to uh, to make a change. Um, but it's, it's amazing to think what this franchise is going through. And you look at this franchise, Mike. I, I had the opportunity to do several Tampa games. And just from a pure talent standpoint, All right, so let's break down this this organization in general. One, you look at them defensively, and look how they struggled and how many big plays they gave up early in the season. Todd Bowles took over, former Jets head coach. But remember, he was the defense coordinator for Bruce Arians in Arizona when they were going to the playoffs, and they were competing at a very high level. So it's a very complex blitz, man coverage, come-after-you type of defense. And you look at the way they're constructed defensively, Mike, every player, other than like JPP, but just about every player, um, young linebackers, right? Devon White is, is it Devon White? Just young, sideline to sideline, you know, great player. Uh, Their whole secondary is littered with first and second year, like rookie, first year, second year, rookie, first year. The whole secondary is, is built that way. They are young and talented on defense i mean super talent vita vea has become a beast on the inside as a young player out of washington i believe so you look at the way their defense is constructed they are going to be an aggressive turn the ball over we may give up a few big plays but we're going to get you the ball back type of defense and you look at them offensively man I, mike evans may be one of the top you know he's one of the top five receivers in football, but phys- from a physical presence standpoint, he may be number one from a physical standpoint. Like six five and two whatever, and and a nasty and a competitor and big time. You know, big time player. Chris Godwin is the best run after catch. He has he has blossomed on the scene as a great receiver, a great guy. You look at their two tight ends, Cameron Brape and OJ Howard, controlling the middle of the football field for them. Inside three offensive linemen, pretty pretty good, pretty solid inside three. Jones, the running back, I think mean, out of USC, is a pretty dynamic player that looked like he was about ready to bust, you know, bust a few a few big plays and start to kind of bust on the scene. So this should answer once season. and for all the question that Brady didn't have enough around him last year, and that explained why he didn't look the same. For guys like me, Mike, who have said Brady hasn't lost much. right. For guys like me, you know, there's a lot of guys out there in the business that I'm in as a, you know, as a national kind of analyst that sit there and say, aha, you know, the precipitous fall of Tom Brady, it's not about the receivers. He's dropped and he's this and he's that and he's that. And I look at it like I still see a skill set as good as I saw when Brady was 30 at 42 like he hasn't he, he hasn't dropped off on his ability to see things he hasn't dropped off on his ability to to, to throw the football like it, he has velocity hasn't dropped off like his physical skills to me have not diminished well this will prove it then yeah because absolutely. he's got the weapons now absolutely there's no, he's got options there's no question about it mike he's got a ton of options and so i really you know i really like where he fits here um and they've got some other guys you know they got some other guys that can flat out run that that have the ability to maybe be you know a big time like a big time third receiver type of guy. Um, oh man, they they've got some kids. There's some speed. They've got. I mean, they're from a talent standpoint, Mike. Offensively, they're as talented as anybody. I think their two offensive tackles are you know um, Donovan Smith and and Dotson are are average you know or average players. But I like Marpet inside. I like. You know Jensen is is a just a grinder and a a, a nasty kind of tough guy. Kappa El Kappa, their right guard is a division like three player who played last year who played a game with a broken arm. Like so, they've got some guys. um, The Justin Watson kid that plays outside is pretty good. Uh, Scotty Miller can really run. He's a four three kid. Like he could be the Julian Edelman type inside. You know, with the quickness and stuff that he possesses, so I, I think they've got a chance to be really, really good. Well, one thing, and and this is this is going to be a treat for the guys that play in Tampa that have that have been you know part of the team the last couple of years. Uh-huh. Here's here's what's going to be fun to watch, and for the people who cover the Bucks and everything, is that the moment Tom Brady walks into that building, the culture changes. Yeah, immediately. And I saw it with when Peyton came here. So the Broncos prior to that, you know, had been sort of a middling, you know, type team, kind of living in that uh, you know, 8 and 8, you know, 9 and 7 type world, right? Mm-hmm. Manning showed up, and I'll never forget I was out there for the fir- his first workout. It was an OTA. You know, they're running around in shorts. And Mark, it was it was tangible. I mean, you could see it, you could right. feel it, the difference. Everybody was just they were locked in in a different way. They were they were on their toes sure. in a different way because Peyton was out there. And Brady's going to do the same thing. You know, John Fox, who was the coach here when Peyton came aboard, said he lifts all boats. Yeah. You know? He's like the high wave. High tide rises he, all boats. He's like the right. wave, the high tide that lifts all boats. That's what Brady will do. And for a Tampa organization that, let's uh, let's face it, has been a losing organization with a losing culture forever, it seems. I don't think they've been to the playoffs, Mike, since 2007. Seven, yes. Yeah. That guy's going to walk in the building and instantly the whole mindset's going to change because the goat's in there. And it'll be be fascinating to watch. And you as a former player can probably appreciate what's coming, how that change is coming, because you've been part of – championship teams and you understand the feeling that permeates a room right when you're on that kind of team and the moment he walks in that door that feeling's going to come with him right and and people and the players are going to feel it I always, and they're going to look around and go whoa i always this is say different. yeah i always say just because you play a pro sport doesn't make you a professional when he walks in that building there's a new sense of professionalism yep and people are going to look at it and go oh shoot this is what it this is why like this is how you win championships like there are going to be a lot of guys within that organization mike that think they've studied that think they've prepared that think they have worked and they're going to be like holy shit yeah i ain't done squat right that's th- that's the way things change like i was talking um i was talking to Danny Amendola who i firmly believe got pushed out of New England because he was he was close to being as handsome as Brady. And you know that Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo got pushed out. He's as handsome as Brady. Uh, I couldn't work in New England because I'm as handsome as Brady. He wouldn't have let me in there. He won't let me in Tampa. Um, there's just no question in my mind. I probably won't be able to call a game because I'm just as handsome as him, and, and that's going to be a problem for Tom. But in all seriousness, I'm talking to Danny Amendola, and he goes, he's just a different cat. Like, We'll be, we'll play a, you know, we'll play a, a a game on the road, right? And so you're on the road, you play a game, you know, everybody showers, you do your press conferences and all that kind of stuff. And then everybody grabs one of the, they always have these, everybody knows the box lunch, right? the It comes in this white box and there's, you know, you either get like roast beef, turkey, or ham. Right. And cheese sandwich. Then it's got a little packet of condiments where it's got mustard and it's got mayonnaise. Right. You get an apple in there and you get a cookie and a bag of chips. It's always the same. A hundred percent of the time, 12 years that I played in the league for 12 years, you got the box lunch. And there's the same freaking box lunch the guys are eating right now. Right. That thing will never change. It's indestructible. I think it's just pumped full of preservatives. There's no way that it rots. You could take that box lunch, you could take week one box lunch and eat it week 12 and you'd be fine. <laughs> like there's going to be nothing wrong with it. Right. And by the way, how do they get the saran wrap so tight on the so apple? So tight. So tight on the apple that you can almost like, you almost like, like forget that there's a saran wrap. Right. You're, you're about ready to bite it. And you go, oh, wait, this is covered in saran wrap. It's amazing. There's not one wrinkle. I don't know how they do it. Real men I, are genius. Yeah. I really don't know how they do it. But anyhow, so you get the box lunch. Then you go on the bus. You grab a couple of beers, right? And everybody sits in their seat. And Danny Amendola goes, I can grab my box lunch. You know, I was like, I could relate. I grab a couple of beers. I get on the bus. And who's in the front row? Tom Brady. And what is he doing? He's looking at next week's opponent. Like, he doesn't even, you don't even take time. To go, woohoo, guys! Let's have a beer together. Great win. No, he's like they just finished whipping the Jets' ass, and and he's on the bus looking at Bills' film. Like that's who he is. And so all these guys who think they have a culture, and who think they've worked hard, and who think that Jameis Winston has done that. The other thing is, Jameis Winston turned the ball over thirty-nine times last year. You're talking about going from a quarterback who will consistently be one of the top, if not number one, as far as turnovers is concerned to a guy that's going to be in the bottom three every single year with turnovers. And I know one thing about this league. Like, turnovers come in, uh, turnovers are like bananas. They come in bunches. I know one thing. If you can turn the ball over, and Todd Bowles' defense historically will turn the ball over because they're going to hit quarterbacks, they're going to intercept balls, they're going to do those things, right? And you don't turn the ball over, you're going to win a shit ton of games. <laughs> that's just the way that works. And I'm telling you what, I like the recipe in Tampa. Everybody's talking about the offensive weapons, I'll talk about them. But I like the defensive combination with what they have on offense. So is this All right, so beyond just the the novelty of it. Yeah. Which makes them interesting. You think this is a legitimately really good team? Mhm. One that can make the playoffs? One right. that can Oh yeah. One that can compete for an NFC championship? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, listen, it, you know, here's the other thing. Man, if he takes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the NFC Championship oh, right, or to the Super Bowl, which is going to be played in Tampa, right? forget it. It's I mean What's what? I, I I don't know is what there anything in, above, I don't know what in sports would pop that. Right, is there anything above GOAT status? I don't know. But he'd go there. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. For all you ass clowns out there that were like, well, Tom Brady won't take the Chargers because he doesn't want to compete two times a year against Patrick Mahomes. Like a alpha dog personality guy that, is, that has gone to nine world championships and won six of them is afraid to compete against Patrick Mahomes. Like, give me a freaking break. Oh, by the way, have you looked at the quarterbacks that play in the NFC South? No, uh, Matt. Matt, hey. There's an MVP. That guy's name is not Drew Brees. He's never won the MVP. That guy's name is Matt Ryan. Yeah, Matt Ryan had you down 28-3 in a Super Bowl, right? And would have won the Super Bowl if Kyle it, Shanahan had forgotten, you know, hadn't forgotten how to call plays. All right. So you got Matt Ryan in that division. You got Drew Brees, who leads the league in the history of the league with with every significant quarterbacking statistic, about yardage and touchdowns and completion percentage and whatever the hell and you got tom brady who's second in all those categories come, i mean come on like you think that tom brady you think he looked at tampa and go wow a lot of weapons and stuff but boy ooh, uh, you know i'm scared to compete against drew Brees. <laughs> oh matt Ryan. come on like you, you do you guys realize how stupid you sound when you tweet me things like I don't think he wants to go to the Chargers because, you know, the L.A. Chargers because he doesn't want to have to compete about Patrick Mahomes. You can't really be that dumb. Can you? Well, apparently. Yes. What about the Patriots? What happens to them?
1: I, I, mean, this, this, yeah. this,
0: I mean, this, whether it's how Brady does in Tampa or how the Patriots do this year, I mean, we're going to get some Definitive answers, aren't we, as to whether it was Brady or Belichick all these years? You would think, right? I mean, I don't know who's going to play quarterback for them. I don't know where they're they're I don't know where they're going to go. I I can't imagine. I really can't, and I know there's a lot of people who have said, "Hey, I I hope the Patriots go out and get Jameis Winston." I cannot imagine bringing in a guy that thinks it's okay to throw the ball into a team meeting. I can't imagine. That that Bill Belichick would do that. I mean, I can't imagine Josh McDaniels would allow Bill Belichick to do that. There's just certain there's just certain things you're not going to fix. I mean, you can always mitigate some of those throws, but I just don't. I just don't buy that. That's part of the program there, right? I just don't. I don't care how many LASIK surgeries you have. Um, you have something in your in your makeup that says there's not a throw I can't make, and I'll throw it anywhere at any time, any place. I, I just can't imagine that being a fit with the Patriots. Um, I can't. Th- I I I can't believe that they're going to go the what's the cast name, Jared Stidham, and say, hey, we did it with a sixth rounder and Tom Brady. We're going to do it with a fourth rounder in out of what Auburn. Auburn. I I can't imagine. I, I get the I get the sense that there's going to be a trade that comes down for Andy Dalton. I feel like he's a guy that they think is smart enough, that's got enough of a skill set that can operate, you know, with operate within the the context of what they want to do offensively. Which you have to be smart, Mike, in that offense because that offense is constantly morphing. Like, there's a lot of offenses, and, and their offense is no different. They have a, a bunch of base plays that they want to run. You know, this is what we kind of hang our hat on, these things. But every week it morphs into what does that team that we're playing, what do they struggle with, and what do we excel at? And so every week, week in and week out, there's their, you know, their system is not having a system to some degree. You know, and I'll go back, uh, I think it was Jeff Schwartz who – pointed this out to me, that in the Super Bowl against the Rams a couple years ago, they ran 20 different, distinctly different run concepts, 20, in the Super Bowl. Now, I know they only scored, what, 13 points or whatever, right? But 20 different run concepts. Now, you think about that. Like, you say, okay, what does that mean? Well, on average, you go into any game plan with, let's say, about six okay so that's kind of what you go in with and you think about it it makes sense because in like in base they probably have you know let's call it let's call it five different variations of base defense that they play okay whether they you know whether they play the nose at a you know a one technique or a zero technique if they play the you know, you can play the three technique on that on the you know on the strong side or the weak side, whichever way you shift. You can play them in a two. You can play them in a two eye You can play them in a three. You know, like there's there's a bunch of different techniques, right? That you can play. So there's a bunch of different variations. You play a fifty. You play a a twenty five defense. You play a fifty six defense. You play a fifty seven defense. You play a four three. Whatever it is, you know, whatever you want to do. So let's say five variations there, Mike. And then in nickel, you get into your nickel situations and your nickel plays and there's another five variations there. So let's call it 10 different defenses that you're facing on any given night. Now you're talking about 20 different run plays, distinctly different run plays, against 10 variations of defense in the Super Bowl. And by the way, every time a guy shifts from one to another, from one spot to another spot, even if it's a six-inch shift, it changes the techniques you're doing up front changes the blocking combinations, changes the techniques. So you're talking about 200, essentially, variations that you have to know what, blue 80, blue 80, shift, set art. It changes everything. So you have to be really smart on top of things as a player in that system, but as a quarterback especially. So I can't imagine they're just going to go, hey, we'll just let this young fourth rounder do it. So I think that's the direction they go. But um, it'll be really interesting to see if there is a dramatic drop off mm-hmm. in New England. It, it'll be it's it's gonna be fascinating. It, th- these are gonna be two fascinating teams to watch. Whoever thought the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would become one of the must watch, must see NFL teams in, in a season? Um, Dallas, I, I got to oh. get your thoughts on what Dallas did. Um, I mean. Franchise tagging Dak, okay, buys you time to to still try to figure out, you know, what this guy is worth and and come mm-hmm. to. I just don't get the Amari Cooper deal, Mark. I I yeah. just don't because you, okay, like, this. Let me interrupt you really quick because this is just drives me crazy, right? I saw so many people, so many people, so many of my colleagues, they would be like, Dak's overplaying his hand. Dak should just take, you know, about twenty-eight million or twenty-nine million. Leave some on the table so they can pay other players, right? Like that was that, and 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 people like football guys were like, "Yep, yep," and I'm like, "Are you crazy?" Dak should hold out for every freaking penny he can get. Well, take less money because you can make it back in marketing. Oh, how's that going now with COVID nineteen spread all over the place? Ain't nobody, the markets crash, ain't nobody spending any money anywhere, right? Things are getting canceled right and left. No, you shouldn't. And oh, by the way, as I always say, man, the salary cap is so easy to manipulate for these teams. Like, why is it Dak Prescott's responsibility to save the Cowboys money so they can sign other players? All of a sudden, he's not only the quarterback, but he's also the capologist? That's not his freaking responsibility. It's their responsibility to be fiscally responsible and figure out a way to pay everybody. You can do it, and so all these guys that say, "Well, he's going to lose Amari Cooper if he doesn't, you know, if he, does, if he doesn't play ball with him and sign a lesser contract." Uh, did I just see Amari Cooper sign a five-year, hundred million-dollar deal? I mean, shut up, stop it. Dak should get every penny, and he shouldn't take one cent less. He should reestablish the market. He shouldn't take one cent less than Jared Goff, who fell off the face of the earth last year. The earth apparently in L.A. is flat because he got to the end of it and he fell off, and he shouldn't take one penny less than Carson Wentz, who can't answer the bell five games a year. Sorry. Hey, listen, man, I I, I know he was more injured than I was. It sucks. I get it. But, dude, why would Dak Prescott, they had him, they had him 105 million, Carson Wentz total, like, like, like signing and and like just the the just the the money that was guaranteed. They had Dak take one hundred and five. Here, you should take this deal. And they had Carson got one hundred and eight two years ago or a year ago, and and a year ago, golf got one hundred and twelve. Mm-hmm. Why the hell would Dak Prescott take less money than those two guys? And oh, they, how did they sign? I, I thought they needed the money from Dak to sign Amari. Like, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Every guy should get as much as he can. It's not his responsibility to manage their cap. Right. It's not. Now, the bit about Cooper. Look, first of all, Amari Cooper's been an inconsistent up-and-down player, whether it's Oakland or or now with Dallas. Right. And and to me, he failed the smell test of are you truly an elite, elite receiver when he went mano-a-mano against Stephon Gilmore. Mm -hmm. and got shut out shut out no catches no targets shut out to me if you're worth what was it five years 100 million and how much of it guaranteed 60 million of it guaranteed 40 million of a guaranteed you don't go goose eggs in a marquee head-to-head matchup like that you just don't and the other thing too is that if this is what i don't understand about what dallas is doing If you have, or if you think you have, or if you're paying a quarterback, elite quarterback money, it comes with the understanding that that quarterback is going to make average receiving talent around him above average. That's what the elite quarterbacks do. It makes no sense to say, we believe Dak Prescott is an elite quarterback. We're certainly paying him like one. And then turn around and pay a receiver that kind of money. Right. There's a reason why I think I, – I know Bill O'Brien's been getting ripped for what he got for DeAndre Hopkins. But if you can sort of put that aside for a second, I think his strategy is kind of sound. He looked at DeAndre Hopkins and said, great receiver. But I got Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has now got to that point where he's entering the elite category. We're certainly going to be paying him like he's an elite quarterback. So you know what? If we have that kind of quarterback, we shouldn't be investing a ton of money right. in a receiver we should be putting that those the, the problem with bill o'brien i know yeah. i know i know but you see where i'm going uh, same thing i think with minnesota they traded Stephon diggs their argument i can see them looking and say well wait a minute we're paying kirk cousins elite quarterback money we should along with that continue to overinvest and pay a lot of money to adam thielen and Stephon diggs right that makes no sense But if you're Arizona and you're Kyler Murray and you're Cliff Kingsbury, you're looking at like, well, I got a young quarterback. I'm trying to get to that level until he gets that level. He needs some help. So let's go try to get him. Right. DeAndre Hopkins. Josh Allen. Let's get him a Stefan Diggs. Okay. Those make sense. But you got Dak. You're paying Dak. Why are you turning around and giving Cooper that kind of money? Right. On the Bill O'Brien front, though, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. On the you, Bill O'Brien yeah, front, you're like, though, you're like you're making mean, a lot of good points. Now to O'Brien, yeah, now to <laughs> O'Brien. I mean, really, you yeah. know, you know what's funny about like right after he makes that trade, right after he makes the trade, then Stephon Diggs gets traded and gets a fir- you get a first rounder, you get a oh. like a fourth rounder, a fifth rounder, and a seventh something. I mean, it's some crazy haul that you get back for. A guy that got drafted out of Maryland, I think, in the fifth round, right? So, I mean, you just get this this lion's share. And I don't know how it went down between Arizona and Bill O'Brien. But to get, like, to swap fourth-rounders, to get a second-rounder, and, like, Steve Kime is a general manager of Arizona who's taken a boatload of heat. Just a boatload of heat. Just a ton of heat lately, right? You want to talk about how this league operates? Like, you want to talk about um, just what have you done for me lately? Attitude in this league? How you can go from moron to genius in one fell swoop? Think about this. They're like ready to run him out of town, Steve Kime in Arizona, right? You drafted Josh Rosen, and Josh Rosen sucks. And now look at, and then you get Kyler Murray. Then you go right to Kyler Murray, and blah, blah, blah. You make this move, you got rid of a running back who retired three years ago that was making $16 million. They didn't tell anybody he was retired and you had to pay him. You were going to cut him. You were going to cut David Johnson. You ship him to Houston and a second rounder for one of the top three receivers in the game as it currently is constructed. For your young quarterback to pair with Larry Fitzgerald I'm, you want to talk about? You went from this guy we ought to get rid of him to this guy's brilliant. What a genius move! Here's one thing I I really appreciate about Steve Kahn, because it doesn't happen very often. Everybody's going to make mistakes along the way. You're going to draft a player that you get into your building and you're like, ugh, like this didn't work out. He just didn't transition well. It just it, for whatever reason. You know, maybe we screwed up, maybe he duped us, maybe, you know, maybe he got satisfied, you know, maybe he was sated because he got money, maybe, I, I don't know what the reasons are, but there's, there are a myriad of them. There are plenty of different reasons. Your ability to move off a of mistake and not compound that mistake by continuing to let that mistake linger around, you know, then, it becomes, then it becomes like, you ever have a cat that pissed in your room? like over and over, like found a spot where it likes to piss, mm-hmm. and every time you walk in the room, eventually if you sit in the room long enough, you get used to the smell of piss, and you're like, nah, it's not so bad, right? But then you walk out and you get some fresh air and you walk back in your room, you're like, oh my God, it smells like piss in here, right? You let a guy hang around that, he's like piss. It's like piss. And you know what you got to do with piss? You got to tear out the carpet, you got to tear out the slub floor, you got to put in a new subfloor because it soaks into the plywood, you got to remove the whole thing. And what I respect is you removed the issue. You recognized it was piss and you moved it out. Like there's a there's a lot of people that won't do that because they don't want the general public to look at them and go, look at all the mistakes he made. Well, shoot, I appreciate you correcting the mistakes. Like I, I I'll tip my hat to Steve Kine. But you know what? With that said, because I wanna I wanna bring this up because I want to give you your props. You Because we have been going back and forth here in Denver about the 15th overall pick and the whole wide receiver class. Ah, yes. And I've been told by, you know, Charles Davis said that when he was doing the draft, he works for Fox, he's one of my colleagues at Fox, doing the draft. Daniel Jeremiah, who does a great job as an NFL analyst and as a guy that, You know that covers the draft, and I know he's had some opportunities to go into the front offices of a couple different organizations. So there are 26 wide receivers in this upcoming draft that have first or second round grades. And so you came up. Now I had a refinement. Yeah, you smooth the rough uh, Rough edges, yeah. But you came up with a theory that, frankly, (laughs) sums up the wide receiver class in this draft. Better than anything I've ever heard. Okay, so here's the idea. And and for, for those of you out there of a certain age, you remember the all-time great era of sports illustrated swimsuit cover models. Yes. We're talking Christy Brinkley, Elle mm. McPherson, uh. Sidney Crawford, Ooh. Cheryl Teagues, mm. Paulina Poroskova, Carol Alt, Kathy Ireland, Kim Alexis goes on and on and on and on, right? Right. right. So my argument is, okay, so you got the 15th pick in the draft. If you take a receiver there, that's the equivalent of saying, I'm going to go out with Cindy Crawford on Thursday instead of going out with all of those other SI swimsuit cover girl models on Friday. Uh Uh-huh. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you say, forget about all those other hot models? I'm gonna go out with Sidney Crawford instead. Really? Really? You're 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 gonna turn your back on all of them just for her? You can't do that. No. That's dumb. No. Nah. Who it- out there would do that? Right. Nobody. No, no there is nobody. Nobody. There is nobody. So why in the world would you take a receiver at 15 knowing you've got all those other receivers that you could take late first round, second round, third round, that could end up being and, and probably will end up being better than the one guy you took at 15? Exactly. Why? When the social distancing band is over. Yes. Right? You go out, you go. I mean, you're you guys are at the club. You're having yeah. Jello shots yeah. together. It's you. You're giggling like. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great. Look at and me. Then it's a slumber party. Look at me. Hi, ah, pillow fight. Woo-hoo. Oh, Kathy, ah, stop the, it. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> got a little excited on the pillow fight. Sorry, sweetheart. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying, you're right? Just, it's a, it's brilliant. It is brilliant. Are you just going to date one supermodel? Or are you going to date all the supermodels other than the one? Right. Okay, so I'm going to take uh, uh, Henry Ruggs at 15. Henry Ruggs is Cindy Crawford. Meanwhile, right. Jerry Judy is Kathy Ireland. T. Higgins is L. McPherson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb is Preach. Kathy Preach. Ireland. You know what? Keep going Preach. and going. The Jefferson kid from LSU is Kim Alexis. Really? There's – I mean, listen, Cindy Crawford, oh, I mean, amazing. Right. But that Amazing. She's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing, but there,
1: right, there's there's like Kathy
0: Ireland. Come on now. Right? I mean all I mean, you're telling me that there's Cindy Crawford and then everybody else I just mentioned is like far, far behind. Uh uh-uh, uh. No way. Who's no your, way? of all the of all the ones you met, who was your favorite? Christy Brinkley. Really? Yeah. So I'm a fourteen year old getting sports illustrated for the first time. Uh huh. Uh oh. I don't know where this story's going. And I'm looking forward to the S I swimsuit. Yeah. Who isn't at that point? Right. And the first one I get at age 14, 1982, Christy Brinkley. Christy Brinkley. You never forget your first. Hmm. Yeah. There are so many things you want to say right now. I and know. you can't. I'm just going to nope, leave you that can. alone. You know Fine. what my favorite you can't. was? My favorite was uh, Kathy Ireland. Yeah. She was probably number two. Yeah, she was number two for me. Because well, she was like, there was a certain. It's almost like the Ginger Mary Anne thing. You yeah, know? there's yep. a certain like hometown, like girl next door, like yeah. you, know, you could see yourself growing up with yeah. the Ireland. I never shot. Like yeah, I got a like, shot. Yeah, we went to high school together. Yeah. She was great. We went to the prom. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, you could that like yeah. There's the she's more the Mary Anne type. Yeah, she's still absolutely. Absolutely, gorgeous, I'm with you. But hundred percent, like, she felt like somebody that you could. You could have hung out with absolutely. Yeah, she came over to the house. We watched a movie. Yeah, yeah, Princess Bride. It was awesome, (laughs) right? I mean, so anyway, just uh, next time you hear somebody debating this whole wide receiver thing, I just want you to think about supermodels. Supermodels. And you're welcome. You know what? Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. It doesn't get any better than that. There you go. Hey, for everybody involved in the Stinking Good Truth podcast, we thank you for listening. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat for all your workout needs your nutrition needs, check them out at sweetsweat.com. Also, Mark's All Pros, the best referral network being built currently as we speak. I'm telling you what, really excited about this opportunity Um, at marksallpros.com. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Mark's All Pros, marksallpros.com. Like I said, we'll be back with you uh, next week. Thank you so much for listening. Please uh, share with all your friends and family. Uh, If you love it, if you don't love it, uh, don't tell anybody and uh, keep your mouth shut.